You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Hoot at Wednesday edition of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez here. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. The Houston Astros just could not figure out Kevin Gosman last night as they fall to the Toronto Blue Jays 5-1. We'll recap that game. Look ahead to tonight's matchup. We'll also talk New Orleans Saints, again, wrapping up OTAs, getting set for mandatory mini camp. Some big news happening around the NFL, including a new face on the cover of Madden 24. We'll talk about that. And the PGA Tour getting set with the RBC Canadian Open. We'll also dive into the merger between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. My producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, we're halfway home, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. How about you? I'm um, I'm doing well. I'd be doing better if the Houston Astros wouldn't have struck out 16 times last night. Yeah, that was tough, especially early on in the game. In, in fact, first at bat, you see Mauricio Dubon hit a solo shot, 390. Like, okay, are we going to see more explosion from what we saw last game? No. Reality quickly set in, and you're like, okay, maybe not. George Springer got himself a revenge homer. In the bottom of the third, a two-run shot to left center field. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Dalton Varsho with a 394-foot blast to center field. Wouldn't it be nice to have that guy? Remember when the Astros were, were linked to, to <laughs> signing him in the offseason? Oh, man. And in the bottom of the eighth, Bo Bichette, homer to right center before a Whit Merrifield RBI double to score Vlad Jr. to make it 5-1. to one. But the story of the game for... The Blue Jays, James, is Kevin Gosman. Easily. He goes seven innings. The former LSU Tiger, by the way, goes seven innings, four hits. He only gives up one run. He walked no one, and he struck out a career-high 13. Through 101 pitches in his seven innings of work, 66 of them for a strike, and his ERA is now down to 263 on the season Hunter Brown was dealt the loss but James I've got to be honest Hunter Brown pitched well outside of a couple of miscues he gave up two long balls but he went six innings only gave up three hits three runs he struck out five so he was efficient because you only gave up three hits the problem is the three hits hurt you yeah, and it was kind of the same thing with what we saw with LSU. You'd seen him go for 12 strikeouts, but he had the five runs given Correct. up. Correct. So it was like, there's there was definitely good, but you needed that good to make up for the bad. Yeah. And Hunter, and- Brown, Hunter Brown had a solid outing. It's just the two home runs that you gave up, that was tough. Now, the offense really wasn't doing, for much, doing much for you anyway since you hadn't had a hit since the fifth inning. But still, like the two home runs, whatever whatever momentum you could have had with it being close game and being within a run or two, it was kind of gone with that. Look, I'm gonna be honest. 
I love me some Jeremy Pena. I do. Jeremy Pena is one of my favorite Astros. I literally bought a Jeremy Pena jersey just a couple weeks ago. Had a beautiful bunt the other night. Man. This? 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts? Oh my, I would rather read a stat line that said 0 for 4 with 4 flyouts. At least you made contact with the ball. It's not like Bregman did too much better. He had no, three strikeouts. They've both struggled. Breg, Bregman will, and, and he, he, it seems like he does this every year. He'll have a game where you're like, oh man, has Bregman warmed up maybe a little earlier than he normally does? No. No, he hasn't. It's fine. Um, Pena, I mean, the, the, the cat has struck out 59 times already this year. He's projected to strike out 157 times this season. James, that's not good. That's a lot. That's almost a strikeout a game. That is not good. Granted, he's on pace for 21 homers and 37 doubles and cool. But 157 strikeouts. You got to clean that up if if you're the Houston Astros. Jose Abreu, you know, he started to come around, but then you're still like, what? what is this guy doing? Hitless last night. Corey Jolks delivers with two hits. Mauricio Dubon delivers with two hits. And everybody else did nothing. Dubon and Jolks combined for your four hits. Everyone else did diddly squat. I can't get mad at Jordan. He's been incredible. It's normal for him to have a bad game. He is human. Kyle Tucker, again, he's been good. So can't really be mad at him. Everybody else, what's your excuse? Jake Myers 0 for 3 with 3Ks. Alex Bregman 0 for 4 with 3Ks. Jeremy Pena 0 for 4 with 4Ks. You got to be better than that. And look, you might like Jake Myers, and, and some people are big fans of Chaz McCormick, and, and I don't necessarily disagree on the Chaz front, but man, having Dalton Varsho in center field right now would uh, would be pretty nice if you're the Houston Astros. Changing gears now, though, you heard in the two-minute drill, James Mesh talked about McNeese football getting a $1.1 million upgrade to their locker room. If you haven't seen open those paybooks, baby, the the renderings of this locker room, it is quite nice inside the Jack Dolan Fieldhouse. Uh, the locker room will include 116 custom hybrid lockers. It's similar to what is housed inside the Rams locker room. The lockers are made from a gray nanotechnology laminate, which is self-healing and scratch-resistant on the sides, doors, and footlocker face with upper and lower compartments. Each locker will include a stainless steel pullout, tilt-down shoulder pad, and knee brace gear rack, and tray with a fan drying system integrated to circulate air in the pad compartments, forcing air into your shoulder pads. The lockers will also include a, hel- a helmet fan drying system, electrical outlets with two USB charging ports, LED lights, lift up headrest, foot locker box with digital lock capabilities. So basically, what we're saying is 
Gary Goff said, we need an upgrade. And the people of Lake Charles said, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. I mean, this is going to be one of the top locker rooms in the Southland Conference in 2023. This is going to be a much-needed upgrade for the Cowboys, and uh, glad to see that they're getting this done once again. $1.1 million scheduled to be completed next month in time for the football season. Let's go to the game hotline now. T, what's going on? Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you, sir? I'm doing great. What you got uh, for me? I, first of all, I want to say let's go Tigers. Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think we're going to get it done. At least I hope so. And uh, next is you, y'all have poll questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, this is mine. With the uh, Live Tour, PGA, Saudis, all that, how many people think the president will make a billion dollars off of this? That's my question, and I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate you, T. So, I'll I'll answer the LSU part first. I think LSU can get it done, but I have a feeling it's going to go three. Kentucky is no slouch. The series went down to the wire when they played each other at Alex Box the first time around. It was one-to-one headed into Saturday. I think you're going to see more of the same. But my worry is, so you're going to throw Paul Skeen Saturday. That's that's pretty much a given. You're probably going to throw Ty Floyd on Sunday. Say you go into Monday, one and one. Do you start Thatcher Hurd? Or do you start Riley Cooper? Or is the issue going to be that you have to go to one of those guys either Saturday or Sunday? That's going to be the thing that's going to tell you a lot about this series. If Skeens can have another seven, eight-inning outing, Ty Floyd could follow him with six, you're in good shape. But if either one of them is off and you have to go to the bullpen, LSU might be in trouble. Or can their offense carry them all the way to the finish line? We'll see. Um On the live thing, look, I'm just going to put it very simply. Everybody is going to make a lot of money. That's why they did this deal. Jay Monahan can have all the morals he wants. But when you see that many dollar signs, it is hard for you to say no. And he didn't. Whether... I agree with it or not, or whether you agree with it or not, is really quite irrelevant. They saw dollar signs, they saw the profit that it's going to bring them, and they said, you know what, this might not be such a bad thing after all. Let bygones be bygones? Yeah, (laughs) it's water under the bridge now. Let's just sit on piles and piles of cash and make a great friendship together. Ready, break. That's how that went. Not really, but... You get my point. Again, I'm not a fan of it. 
I still don't really understand it outside of the dollar signs. Uh, because like I said yesterday, you bickered with each other for 18 months through jabs here and there, talked about how the other were just so terrible. And now you're friends. It doesn't work that way. But money talks and money can hide a lot of problems. I was going to say money can speak volumes when it comes to business like this. Money can hide a lot of problems. So, you know, that, that, that'll be what it'll be. Uh, but look, quickly before we take a timeout, talking about the Oakland Athletics yesterday, how about former McNeese Cowboy Jace Peterson having a night last night? He got his 500th career base hit for the Oakland A's. Oakland winning 11-2 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Moss Bluff native went 5-5 five for five with a pair of two-run homers in the game last night. And again, his 500th hit of his major league career. Peterson was hitting in the eighth hole last night. Speaking of the Oakland days as well, a former Louisiana Raging Cajun, Hogan Harris, got the start on the mound for the A's today. He went five innings, gave up three runs, struck out two, walked three, and route to a 9-5 to win over the Pirates. The significance of that stat line? It's Hogan Harris's first career win in MLB. So congratulations to the Moss Bluff native Jace Peterson and the Lafayette native and former Louisiana Raging Cajun Hogan Harris on both of their big accomplishments with the Oakland A's last night and today. We'll take a timeout, 4.15, almost 4.16, when we return here on Crunch Time. Hear from Dennis Allen talking OTAs and your calls on the hotline, 337-706-0111. This is Crunch Time on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The defending World Series champs are starting to warm up, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Cincinnati Saturday, June 17th, and you can be there by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 420, welcome back. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Yesterday, Dennis Allen, Michael Thomas, and Derek Carr all met with the media as OTAs drew to a close. And the head coach... Actually, before we get to the audio, James, I want to pose a question to you about the New Orleans Saints. Yesterday, we heard Michael Thomas talk about how he and Olave and Shahid kind of made like a big three, right? Yeah, they're they're the standouts in that wide receiver room for sure. I saw a question be posed on social media, and I want to get your thoughts. With Olave, Thomas, and Shahid. Do you want my first, second, and third reaction? No. No? Okay. Are they a top 10 receiving core in the NFL? 
Like the Saints receiving core as a whole? Right. With Olave, Rashid, Shahid, and Thomas being like the featured guys, does that make the Saints have a top 10 receiving core in the league? I think if they're not, they're close. Like if if they're not like ninth or 10th, I'd probably put them just on the outside, like 12th. But that's me not even me trying to remember off top. Like, okay, I think I like the receiving core of the 49ers and the Eagles for sure more. I like, I definitely like that Lions receiving core, even though Jamison Williams will not be there again. Again, just still for the long term of it, it'll that's going to be a really good receiving core, of course, even though you won't have Tyreek Hill for too, too much longer. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle just by themselves mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. So it's like coming up with four teams right off New, the top. New Orleans is definitely in the top 10, in my opinion. Like it, like if you give me like five minutes to just look at every team's re- receiving core, if it's not in the top ten, it would be right outside. With with those three, it's certainly in there. Buffalo's another team that comes to mind uh, with Stephon Diggs and you're just Gabe a big Gabe Davis. Davis. G- he's you, good. He's he's really not that bad. He's good. He's a good wide receiver. Uh, I, I'd put him on the same level as a Brandon Ayuk. A solid. He's he's not a superstar. But he's a very solid number two receiver. Absolutely. I, I think Gabe Davis Gabe Davis is one of the better number two receivers in the entire league, actually. Um, I would put him in that upper half. But anyways, head coach Dennis Allen gave his thoughts on Elante Taylor and his thoughts of Taylor's progress playing the nickel spot. Yeah, I think it's a learning process for him, you know. Um Look, I think certainly over the course of this this OTA period, there's been some 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 really good things. There's been some periods of of some frustration just because it's new to him, you know. Uh, but the more you can do, the more spots that you can play, uh, the more versatile you are, the the more ways that we can envision being able to to utilize those players. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day. We're going to have to figure out what's our best 11 to put out there on the field and, and how do we how do we deploy those 11 that give us the best chance to play good on offense or defense. All right, James, some, uh, some breaking news has just rolled in. <laughs> right? How about the Phoenix Suns have waived CP3, making him a free agent? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Reuniting in New Orleans? Hey, Chris, you started your career here. You had some fun. You want to retire here? It's one It's one really big career sandwich, and New Orleans is the bread. We'll, we'll, we'll find some kind of method to keep Zion healthy, and we can make a run. <laughs> It'll be Lob City 2.0. Like, why not? The Clippers couldn't do it with you, but we can. Sun's going to do it without, with you. Oof. Thunder couldn't do it with you. Oh, man. Couldn't do it with you before, but now. And now the the teams that CP3 could go join are just kind of rolling in my head. Um, Gee, I don't know. Could the Boston Celtics decide to play a little small ball? So at this point you would have... So you're you're saying CP3 to... Boston. Uh-huh. So then you would have CP3, 
move Marcus Smart and Jalen Tatum, Jason Tatum, uh, not Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Okay. If you keep Jalen Brown out on the wings. Because generally, Jalen Brown played more of the three. Play a play so, a play a four out one in. So type that point, of offense. So that point, unless Marcus Smart or Chris Paul gets injured, you would be having him. You would have Derek Correct. White and Malcolm Brogdon be both coming off the bench. Correct. You play a four out one in type of offense with Rob Williams just kind of roaming the the paint, and I mean I think it could work. But that's just me. I don't think it'll be enough to win a ring, but <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. The curse of Chris Paul is something special, let me tell you. It 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 most certainly is. Um it most certainly is. But no, could you imagine Chris Paul and Zion and BI chopping it up in New Orleans and CJ revolutionary stuff here. CJ could play his role. Wow. That'd be a fun 15 games. No, James Mesh with the optimism. The <laughs> realistic optimism. Hey, at least I said 15. It could have been five. Oh, God. That all four of them play together. Oh, God. Dennis Allen also was asked, would he want his team to be featured on Hard Knocks? I wouldn't like it. Yeah. Why not? Because <laughs> I, I just want to focus on our football team and getting better. And any distractions are exactly that. They're just distractions that keep you from ultimately reaching your goal. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> he straight up said, no, I wouldn't like it. I don't want it. And that, that was perfect because I remember having a conversation with my friends whenever they had first brought up like the Saints being one of four teams that could potentially be on hard knocks this year. Mm-hmm. They were like, I want to see it because like two or three of them in our four-person group chat, they were like, oh, I love watching hard knocks. I don't really watch it. I see clips on like Twitter or Instagram. If Amazon Studios wanted to come to New Orleans and put the Saints on all or nothing, that's one thing. Because the one thing, the one reason that I would find Hard Knocks to be cool is that you get the inside look, right? Mm-hmm. All or nothing, first of all, it's season long. Yeah. Yeah, because we saw with the Cardinals how it went the whole season. That's where we saw that perfect Buda Baker clip. Second of all, there's no all or nothing curse yet. Yet. It starts um, in 2023 with the Saints. So, I mean, maybe, but we don't know that yet. Who knows? They might go on all or nothing and win a Super Bowl. But Hard Knocks just gets such a bad rap. Because, first of all, they're walking into your facility mm-hmm. at the worst time. There's no privacy. None. And it's just, no, I don't want it. Like now, I, I don't I don't like that type of publicity because I'd I'd consider Amazon with all or nothing, but do not send HBO to New Orleans. Because no. it's it's not that it happens every time, but it, it, to me it's such a distraction. Let's say the Saints do suck. Well, I don't want to have film and archives of them showing me over and over again. Hey, remember in twenty twenty three, remember when the Saints went had a really bad record? Well. Here's all the clips that you can see of like, oh yeah, this is this is where we saw. It. I don't, Correct. I don't, I don't need to see it in that type of time. If it, ha- if the Saints just have a bad year again, I don't need that type of archiving to have to go back to those bad memories. And then quarterback Derek Carr was asked, talking about Michael Thomas returning to New Orleans, how has his relationship with Mike evolved since arriving in the Big Easy? Yeah, yeah, with Mike, it, it, you know, 
just the just the last couple of days, just talking on the football field. Um, you know, because now I've I've I never say I've learned it, but you know, I'm pretty far along in where I feel like I, I was, and knowing the system and things like that. And uh, you know, you never want to feel like you have it all figured out, but feel confident with where I'm at. So now we're talking the same language. I'm not saying, hey, this is like what I used to. You know, I'm, we're saying the same words, and I'm and we're, we're I'm asking the right questions, and he's you know, giving feedback, and I'm uh, I'm not so prideful to say, well, you were successful on this route or this thing with Drew. Like, tell me, what did he say to you? What was he looking at? You know, like, I'm, I got no pride here. I'm trying to win. You know, like, I don't care, you know, you know, who's right. I care what's right, you know. And, you know, Mike is sharing information, same thing. Like, but yeah, you know, when, you know, Tay would run this and do it like this, I'm used to that. How do you see it? And I want to, you know, I'm putting it all together and, you know, those algorithms in my brain are just trying to connect wires, you know, um, to make us successful and this organization successful. So um, it's been very, very helpful that he's been here. And um, I'm really thankful that he's been here. We'll take a time out here. 4.30, Jay Walker joins us next for Cajuns Corners. We recap Cajuns baseball in Coral Gables right here on the game. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, joining us for Cajuns Corner. Jay, what's going on, bud? How are you? Having the time of my life. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So question number one, how much of a suntan did you get down in South Beach? Um, I got quite a bit of sun during the games because we were sitting outside. So my, my face got quite a bit. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot. What were your thoughts on, on the Cajuns' performance in that Coral Gables regional? I mean, you start with that first game uh, against Texas. You got robbed of a three-run homer, lose by two runs. Jay, in my book, you played well enough to win. Oh, I agree. Uh, you know, there's a difference between losing and getting beat. And, um, you know, I thought, I thought they just got beat. They, you know, Texas made a couple of great defensive plays. And... Um, they, they won the game. They, they deserved to win. And then the offense, you know, really showed up against Maine on Saturday, pounding in 19 runs. Uh, the, the, the pitching and defense kind of let a couple runs slip in late to make it closer than it was. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on, on that game, really seeing the offense come to life? Well, you know, they did what they were supposed to do and then some. I, I thought overall it was outstanding performance now. You know, made it closer than they should have been. Gee, instead of winning by 14, they won by nine. I, I think overall that was okay. And then, of course, on Sunday you fought to Miami 8-5. to five. Uh, Yohandi Morales with, with two home runs in that game. Jay, you got to see him firsthand in Miami this weekend. Just how good is Yo-Yo Morales? Um. He's the best player I've seen this year with with all due respects to Dylan Cruz. Um, he was the best player I saw this year. Wow. All right. Well, so so now, Jay, the, the season comes to an end. But, you know, when you look at the year as a whole, you fought like hell in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. You picked up some key wins against top 25 teams. And 
you got selected into a regional as an at-large and had a good showing in that regional. I've got to say that this season was a, a, a success, right? I, I think the season was a success, and I think it's another step forward uh, in the evolution of this program under Matt Deggs. You know, last year they, they won the conference tournament, got in as automatic qualifier. But let me tell you, when, when the committee gets there and thinks that you're deserving of an at-large, that's, uh, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you, know, the, you know, now you want to be a little better next year to where you're not sweating it on Selection Sunday. But, you know, the, the history of this program says you're not going to make a regional every year. Okay, the Cajuns have made four straight regionals twice in history. Um, and so there are no guarantees for next year. But I don't think there's any question this program's on the right track. Losing quite a bit in terms of offensive production. Uh, just kind of talk about where, where the team kind of goes from here this offseason as they look to rebuild their roster. Well, you know, I mean, obviously they've recruited. Okay, now, as far as the recruits are concerned, you know, are any of them going to get drafted? Are you going to see all of them come in? Uh, what do we know about these guys? And the answer is really not very much. But, um, you know, let's suppose for a minute that they didn't recruit a single player. Now, we know that that's not true, and we know that there's going to be players that are going to come in and help this team from an offensive standpoint. But if it didn't happen, you would have Zambo, Taylor, um, DeBarge, and Amity or or Lejeune in the infield. You'd have Higgs, Stelly, and Juhas in the outfield. I'm here to tell you, you can win games with those guys. So I think you're in pretty good shape because there was a lot of young talent that got a chance to see what success was like, and they're only going to get better. And so I, I think that I think the future's bright here because I really think they recruited well a year ago, and as a result, I think next year you're going to see a couple of those guys blossom. You know, talking about former Cajuns, I know you got the chance to go watch Hogan Harris pitch down in Miami, uh, picked up his first career win today over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, you know, what What are your thoughts on, on the moves that Hogan has made in his professional career? I'll tell you what, he's, first of all, he's changed his body. You know, he's obviously done a lot of work. He's in great physical condition. And the thing that I noticed about him pitching is he got rid of all that superfluous movement that he had uh, in his delivery. And, uh, you know, so obviously they worked with him to make him better, and he's taken coaching well. Uh, and, you know, as a result, I mean, hey, the, the dude is in the big leagues. And, you know, he's, uh, he's earned his way there, but I think that he's earned his way there because he's worked really hard since he left here. Another guy, talk about Spencer Aragetti climbing his way up through the Astros organization. There's talks that that he could be with the big leagues late this year, early next year. Boy, how about that, huh? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Aragetti was good here, but, gee, the, the strides that he's made since turning pro. I mean, this guy is kicking ass in double-A ball, and uh, I'm with you. You know, he might be a September call-up this year. Jay Walker joining us here for Cajuns Corner. Speaking of the MLB draft, let's look at some of the guys on the Cajuns this year that have a good opportunity to get drafted. Let's start with Carson Rockefort. Good hitter at the plate. Great defensive center fielder. 
Uh, Jay, that defensive ability that Rocco possesses can only increase his draft stock. Where do you see him going? I think he and Brock are both top 10 guys. Um, possibly an outside shot of one of them going in the top five. But, uh, but I think they're, they're definitely second-day guys. Uh, second day is, you know, rounds two through ten. Uh, I think both of them are going to hear hear their name called on, uh, on day two. And then, you know, some some other guys, is there anybody else that, that you have a feeling could get drafted, maybe a Heath Hood? Uh, you know, Hood will be a senior draft. Now, you know, exactly where that's going to happen, I don't know. He um, He was offered a free agent contract at the end of last season and turned it down. Uh, but he'll be he'll be a senior draft, and um, the guy that uh, I think his stock has gone up to the point where the Cajuns may lose him is Jackson Nezu. I I think that uh, look, let me tell you, the scouts in Miami were paying a lot of attention to his performance against Texas, and I think that his stock has gone way up since the beginning of the season. Won't be surprised if this name gets called um, on day three, maybe even day two, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to hear his name on day three. Now, you talked about his draft stock going up, and I don't disagree with you. I think it has gone up, but did it go up enough, or do you think he would benefit from another year? Why, why would he go back for a senior year if he's got bargaining power now? Um, I think the only way he doesn't sign – is if he doesn't get drafted. I mean, I think the only way that he doesn't sign is if he doesn't get drafted. Um, you know, I think if, if you're a junior and your name gets called in the draft, nine times out of ten, those guys are going to go ahead and sign. And that's what I expect to happen. Now, if I'm dead wrong and the scouts don't like him as much as I thought, well, then, you know, then maybe he's back. But I, I'll tell you that they were, they were paying an awful lot of attention to his performance on, uh, on Friday. Flipping over to the hardwood, late last week it was announced that Jordan Brown withdrew his name from the 2023 NBA draft. Jay, what, what what's the latest on him? You know, is he coming back to the Cajuns for his senior season? Where where does that stand with Jordan Brown? Because he's a graduate transfer, he can portal out at any time, and and you know, I don't have any inside information, but uh, I honestly don't expect him to be back. Jay Walker joining us, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. Jay, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll do it one more time next week, do a year in review and touch on some football as well. You got it, brother. Thank you. And there he goes, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Real quickly, the Golden Spikes Award has announced its three finalists. And James, I'm here to tell you, that two of them, two of the three finalists, currently play in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens have both been named finalists for the Golden Spikes Award. The Golden Spikes Award goes to the top amateur baseball player in the nation. Consider this the Heisman Trophy of baseball. That's the level that the Golden Spikes Award is on. Uh, The other finalist, he plays in the SEC as well, Jack Coglione out of Florida. So, James, you've got a two out of three chance that an LSU Tiger is, is the Golden Spikes winner. I'm not much of a gambler, 
but two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, you're de- you had to learn your lesson on that one real quick. But yeah, th- those do feel like pretty good odds. I mean, two thirds, two out, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, so congrats to Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. I mean, even being named finalist for the Golden Spikes Award is an incredible honor um, for a college baseball player. Real quick, and we'll dive deeper into it later on in the show, there were some major MLS news announced today. Lionel Messi has agreed to join Inter-Miami club, of course, owned by David Beckham. Couple of interesting facts, James. It is currently cheaper to attend tonight's Game 3 of the NBA Finals than it is to see Messi's potential Inter Milan debut against Cruz Azul. You can get into the NBA Finals for $416 tonight. You can get into Messi's debut for $482. Now, $482 is a lot of money. But before that news was announced, it would have only cost you about $75 to get into that Inter-Miami game. Uh, And another thing that will be interesting is the other thing that drives the ticket prices up Messi, before playing in Paris, played at FC Barcelona, where he spent most of his career. Camp Nou, the home stadium for Barcelona, holds 100,000 people. Inter-Miami Stadium holds 18,000. So, basic supply and demand, that ticket is going to be a high, high dollar if you want to see Lionel Messi. David Beckham probably has pulled off one of the best sports business deals ever as well. Um, He's earned $255 million over the five years. He purchased Inter-Miami for $25 million. The club is currently valued at $600 million. And with the acquisition of Lionel Messi, the club's valuation is expected to push northwards of a billion dollars. So David Beckham might have some entrepreneurial expertise here in terms of professional soccer. What a move by the former soccer legend. We'll take a timeout, 448. When we return, we'll wrap up our number one. We talked about Saints wide receiver, the Saints wide receiving core. We found a list that ranks the league's cores one through 32, and I think you'll be surprised. And where they put the black and gold. We'll do that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, if you are, the game 1037 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. We've got a foodie poll question of the day since it is Wednesday. What is your bet? What is the best non-fries side for a hamburger? Do you think it's onion rings, potato chips, baked beans, or just another hamburger? I don't want the fries. I don't want the onion rings. Give me a second burger. That's my type of beat. I don't know about you, Matt, but... This guy. Sometimes instead of getting chips with a sandwich, I'll just get a second sandwich. As much as I love a good hamburger, it is not complete without fries. It's just not. And I have always griped at a very popular local burger establishment. No free ads here on Crunch Time. Uh, that, that does not serve fries. They also don't put bacon on their burgers. Their burger is delicious. But I agree. They don't put bacon or serve fries, and it's always been a problem with me. It's been their whole thing, though. French fries are one. Well, you can't pick fries. Okay, then onion that's the rings. Whole, that's the whole point of the poll okay, question. Okay, I'm sorry. Onion rings are one. Okay. Then I guess I'd go chips, two. Mm-hmm. A second burger, three. And then as much as I love baked beans, they just don't... Why, why would I get that as a side with my burger? Aesthetically, it's like... Uh, what? Anyways. Looking, so, look, we, we had the conversation earlier about... Where would you rank the Saints wide receiver core? Correct. You say they are absolutely in the top 10, no doubt about it. Well, lineups.com thinks quite the opposite. Yeah, that that's easy to say. Because, <laughs> I mean, they got the Bengals at one, Eagles two, 49ers three. Like, you, you feel those, those are pretty standard. Vikings, Cowboys at seven and eight. Bills somehow at 10. How are the Raiders 9? I'm not a fan of Jacoby Myers, and Hunter Renfro feels like he's got one and a half feet out the door at this point. So you kind of only got Devontae Adams. Correct. And you could see some great things out of Michael Meyer in the future, but I haven't, at this point, I don't care about Austin Hooper. You can't count a rookie as contributing to the receiving core because you don't know what he's going to do in the league. Jackson Smith and Jigba could have been a superstar in college football, but he might not do diddly squat in the league. It's true. It's true. But Jags at 13 was kind of odd. I feel like they're a top five wide receiver core. And then... We get to the Saints. Oh, the black and gold. All the, All the way, way to 25th. 25. That is a slap, not even in the face, right across the jaw. Right, because you look at last year, they had the rankings in 2022 as number 15. Somehow they dropped 10 spots. Who'd you lose? Marquez Callaway? Adam Trotman and Deontay Hardy. 
how did you get? I'm waiting to see where you got worse. Right, because you still have Jawan Johnson who got better. You still have Taysom Hill who's still that guy. Rashid Shahid has popped up for you, and Chris Olave has kind of been what you expected. Had a breakout rookie year. So, and if Michael Thomas can be out there for more than three games, you feel like this should be a team that should be, like I said, in the top and twelve to thirteen. And that's my point. A top fifth. They were fifteenth last year, and in my opinion, they've only gotten better. How are you not in the top 10? I digress. Um, some I, I just I just don't get it sometimes. Anyways, hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk more about Messi's move to the MLS. We'll preview the NBA Finals. And we'll talk to Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We're back right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here at Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. In our number one, we touched on the Oakland A's and their local products having big nights. Talked about the Houston Astros, and we touched on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as well. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk about the black and gold. We're going to preview the NBA Finals. But first, we brought up some interesting little tidbits, if you will, about Lionel Messi's move to enter Miami joining the MLS. That's kind of become a thing for... European players to do towards the end of their careers. They come to the MLS to use, or or not really use, continue to play soccer at what people would consider a lower level uh, on their way out. Right, because you saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic play with uh, the LA Galaxy just a couple years ago. David Beckham did the same thing with the LA Galaxy. Um, So it's, it's not something that is foreign to the, the MLS. Correct. Uh, Terry Henry did the same thing, playing with the New York Red Bulls for several years. Now, you sit here and you go, man, to land a guy like Lionel Messi, they had to shell out just buckets of money. Well, the MLS had some help, apparently. Get a load of this. Messi is set to receive a massive compensation package that includes a share of Apple's revenue generated from the MLS season pass and also he will get a share of profits from Adidas from his MLS arrival. James, have you ever heard of something like this? No, that's kind of a first time for me. I mean, the fact that you're going to be getting portions of it just, just pretty much just for joining. You're going to be getting a cut from Apple and Adidas, two giants 
in the world. They wanted you so bad in the MLS that they were willing to help out. Wow. Folks, James Mesh has been waiting all five minutes of the segment to to play that. Um, look, this is something that has been rumored for a while now. Um, I'm actually very excited to see it get done because I'm one of what some people would say, the few that follow the MLS, especially around here. Um, so uh, again, a huge move for the MLS to pull off Lionel Messi. And uh, again, we talked about the compensation package that, that he's going to get. The numbers are, are are just insane. Messi couldn't be offered the same deal that David Beckham was offered when he moved to the MLS. They needed help, like I mentioned. So they got revenue sharing deals with Apple and Adidas. And again, the ticket prices for Inter Miami's match against LAFC on September the 3rd. So that's three months away. James, the prices have increased from $81 to $422. Yikes. Once again, congrats to Inner Miami, David Beckham making moves, and uh, they might be a favorite now to, to win the MLS next season. Looking at the PGA Tour, getting ready to start the RBC Canadian Open tomorrow. But the big story with golf is the merger between Liv and the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. Now, Rory McIlroy has kind of been a guy that has led the charge for the PGA Tour with this whole debacle, if you will. Roy McIlroy said earlier today that he feels, quote, like a sacrificial lamb and that he still hates live golf. Quote from Rory, I still hate live. Like, I hate live. I hope it goes away, and I would fully expect that it does. I think that's where the distinction is here. This is the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from Liv. And he went on to say that he still has confidence in PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, but that it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and feeling like I've put myself out there, and this is what happens. Now, one of the biggest criticisms of this deal, James, is the PGA Tour, although it has a commissioner, it is largely believed or or thought to be a player-led tour. And yet, the biggest names on the tour, Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, had no clue that this merger was happening. They found out the same time everybody else did. So I think Rory's right to say 
Like, look, man, I, I I feel a little cheated here because we had no idea this was coming. Right, because it was kind of a deal that in an agreement that happened behind closed doors. And when you're a guy that you feel like you are someone that should be knowing this type of information, you and other players kind of learning this on Twitter kind of feels like a slap in the face and kind of a disrespect. Like, hey, I, I thought I was going to be in the circle when it comes to stuff like this. Like, what the hell? Yeah, apparently it, it all, nearly all of them learned at the same time. Um, players were not happy, of course, about being kept in the dark. Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and members of the Player Advisory Council didn't even know what was taking place behind the scenes. Look, if you're going to categorize yourself as a player-run or in this case, an employee-run company, business, whatever. Entertainment. You cannot keep the biggest names. In the dark. In the dark. You don't have to tell every single soul. But when it comes to a big move like this, Rory, this, is, this is something that should be brought up. Rory, Tiger, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, those guys probably should have known. Or should have been at least, hey, this could be in the works. Yeah, like this doesn't have to be like a, hey, do you think we should do this? Do you think we shouldn't type of thing? But like at least letting them know like, hey, we're we're looking to do this, by the way. Like we've been in the talk for this for several weeks now. And we're likely going to have a merger where all of us become one entity. So now the big question is going to be, all these guys that jumped ship from the PGA Tour to live and got all these pockets of money, are they going to be able to just walk right back into the PGA Tour like, hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey miss me? Um, because that's not going to go over well. Now, obviously, there's contractual obligations. You know, you, you signed to play with Live Golf for however long. But if some conversations have been true to where down the line live in the PGA could combine into one giant tour, then things get pretty dicey. And it's like, even before that, you'll, you'll have meetings to kind of like hash things out and figure everything out. Because I mean, there's details that will need to be addressed when For it comes sure. to stuff like that. If you're going to, if you assign basically a lifelong contract with live, well then you're going to have to mess with some stuff because Guess what? Now you're all together. For sure. For sure. Um, so just not a great situation right now in the world of golf. Uh, I saw one golf analyst say yesterday, and I quote, this is the saddest day in the history of the game. So there are a lot of people not happy with what's going down. Now, a lot of people aren't happy. But the real question is, how many people are so distraught and disgusted with this move that they will no longer watch golf. I'd like to say a lot. But like what's the percentage? Because you can say a lot and a lot is thousands of people. But there are how many people watching golf? Oh god, millions. Millions. So it's like millions. If if there's just a few thousands or couple thousands of people that are like I, I just refuse to watch this. Let's well, just a drop in the bucket. 
It's a small percentage compared to the millions of millions that people who watch golf worldwide. Back in April, excluding the Masters, CBS has averaged 2.59 million viewers on four PGA Tour events. So up until April, so the beginning half of the season, four PGA Tour events that got broadcasted on CBS, they averaged about 2.5 million people, which is a lot of that percentage, how many people stop watching? 2%. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Might even be less than that. Um, look, and, and I've heard some people tell me, and I, and I agree with it. At the end of the day, people just want to be entertained. And this... The PGA Tour is a form of entertainment for them. Live golf is a form of entertainment for them. I, I don't see why. I've watched a live event. Not a fan. I, I don't understand why people like the live tour so much. I'm not a fan of team golf. But at the end of the day, people want to be entertained. And if they find either the PGA Tour or live golf entertaining, Regardless of what's happening behind the scenes, they're going to keep watching. Look at the NBA and all the shady stuff they've done. People still tune into the NBA. Let's go to the game hotline now. Ralph, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, as you know, I'm a big big golf fan, and um, I tell you what, I it just it, I was I was shocked yesterday morning with being understatement, um, but I really can't see how. Uh, Moynihan can continue as PGA Tour commissioner after, when, when you, especially when you go back and watch the clips from a year ago and the things he was saying to the 9-11, you know, families and, and just how disingenuous all that seems at this point. And, and, and to your point, Matt, you know, the, 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 the tour players elect their, their representatives for the advisory board. It's kind of like a board of directors at a bank, you know. Correct. I think it's 14 people on the on the five of which are CEOs of big corporate sponsors on the, on the tour, and the others are, are uh, I think five active PGA Tour players and four senior tour players. For those players to not have any idea that this was happening, and, and on the other hand, if you go back and you read some of Bill Mickelson's tweets from a couple of the last couple of weeks. He just kept saying, big news coming. It, these cryptic tweets he just kept sending out. I think Mickelson on the list side knew more what was going on than the PGA Tour players. Sure. You know, which is, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of like you, know, you wake up one morning and you have the, the you know, general manager or the owner of the Yankees and the Red Sox sitting together and saying, hey, guess what? We decided to form one team together. You know, I mean, it's just it's still surreal to me and. I, I know we have no idea what the tour is going to look like next year at this point. There's still speculation Liv may just kind of still fade away. It was on a, to say it was on a lifeline is being kind at this point. But, um, but man, going forward again, how can you trust anything that, that this guy is saying? And I could, I would in my entire life, I'm 63 years old. I never thought I would see a more hated commissioner than Roger Goodell. But Jay Monahan, in one in 24 hours, managed to supplant him in, in my book as the most, you know, uh, 
hated commissioner in sports. I mean, just 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 unbelievable. I I don't think it's going to affect y'all's point as far as viewership goes. I don't really think it's going to have a, a big impact. No, but you know, man, man, one of my big surprises was, and again, I know you know uh, Randall Chambly was you know was is the analyst you were referring to, obviously. And and I don't disagree. I think the saddest day of golf was when Payne Stewart uh, perished, and we had to watch that that plane thing. That was horrible. But but uh, to, 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 I was really surprised to kind of see the reaction of you know Fred Ridley with the Augusta National come out and say, "Oh, this is good. You know, this kind of unifies. You know, it kind of takes away some of the divisions right, right. in golf." And, yeah, and and I'm like, what? And yet. Guys go to the Masters Champions Dinner, you know the for sure. the, the live players who were past champions. So it's a, a and it just goes to show you, you know, bottom line is doesn't matter the, the the Benjamins or the whatever denominations they're dealing in. That's what rules. It doesn't matter what anybody tells Absolutely. you. Absolutely, can't, can't trust nobody. Absolutely, Ralph. So appreciate I, the call, I, man. I'm sad. Though. All right, man. Y'all take care. Yeah, I mean, it's – I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, but, I mean, again, from a business perspective, I get it. Mm-hmm. it. It It's all about the dollars, and this is going to bring in a lot of money. So I get it. And I agree with Ralph. Liv has struggled. When they signed that TV contract with the CW, I thought, man, I don't know that that's a great move, and their viewership has been poor. Uh, so they are hanging on by a thread. So who knows? Maybe Liv does just dissolve and the leaders of Liv kind of have a hand now in the PGA Tour and all those guys just come back in. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I'm I'm not a fan. It it does make things interesting, though, because I do want to ask Ralph, he, like since he's a Saints fan, I'm, I presume he is not a fan of Roger Goodell. Like who does he hate more now? Does he hate Jay Monahan or does he hate Roger Goodell more? Well, it sounded like he hates right now. He hates Jay yeah, like, Monahan more. Like I, I would probably say, like knee jerk as of right now, the feelings are stronger towards Jay than it is Roger. One name I'm gonna throw in that you probably don't know: Roger Goodell's a hated commissioner. Jay Monahan's not very liked right now. Mm-hmm. But out of those two guys, Gary Bettman would like a word. He's like, I have a dog in this fight. Yeah, Gary Bettman would like a word with you. Uh, the commissioner of the NHL is not a well-liked individual. Uh, no matter where he goes for the Stanley Cup final, he is booed and booed and booed and booed. It's bad. We'll take a timeout. 5.20 when we return. We'll talk NBA finals and who that Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you are looking for great deals, then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. There are plenty of two-for-one deals available, including a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50 or a $30 voucher to La Hacienda for only $15. Once again, head to AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these great deals and much more. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
523, almost 524. Real quick before we get to the NBA Finals, about Josh Allen gracing the cover of Madden 24, becoming the first Buffalo Bill to grace the cover. James, I've got a trivia question for you. There have been two cover athletes that have worn a New Orleans Saints uniform. Who are they? Drew Brees for Madden 11. Okay. And Adrian Peterson when they made the switch to the Xbox One for Madden 13 or Madden 25. It was 25. Because it was Barry Sanders originally, and then when they got the next-gen console, it was Adrian Peterson. This guy. Ray and I talked about it earlier. This guy. I thought I was going to stump you. <laughs> you can't stump me with these NFL trivia. I, I thought I thought that maybe, just maybe, I was going to get you. But, yes, it was Drew Brees, Madden 11, and then Adrian Peterson in a Vikings uniform for Madden 25 back in 2014. All right, NBA Finals, Game 3 from South Beach. Series tied at one apiece. James, what happens tonight? I'm going to have to take the Nuggets in this one because Ooh. I would have taken the Heat in Game 3 if the Nuggets were up 2-0, to zero, but since you had seen a really nice shooting night, an overall great game by the Heat as a team, I can't. I, it's going to be really difficult for me to see the Nuggets go down 1-2 to two already heading into Game 4. It also was interesting because Jokic, even though he had shot he made he scored 41 points. I think with this team, I think Porter Jr., he had a terrible night shooting. But I think this team bounces back and they're able to take the two to one lead over the heat in Miami. I'm going to go with Miami. <laughs> I think Miami's Spicy. got a, I think Miami's got a lot of momentum right now after tying the series. That's fair. Um Jimmy Butler tends to play well their first game back in Miami. Game threes is what it has been all postseason. He typically plays well in game threes, so I'm going to go Miami. This is how I see the finals playing out. Miami's going to take game three. And then Denver is going to steal four. So you go back to Denver, up th- up tied 2-2. You take game five, so Denver's up 3-2. Game six back in Miami. Miami will win, keep themselves alive, force game seven. And then Denver takes care of business in game seven and lifts their first Larry O'Brien trophy ever. That's how I see this series going down. Um, Nikola Jokic has just been incredible. I mean, 24 and a half points, almost 12 rebounds a game, and 10 assists a game. The man is averaging a triple double in the playoffs. I don't know how you can get much better than that, James Mesh. Right, and kind of looking at it, I can't see Denver. It's gonna be it's it's really tough for me to see Denver lose another game in Denver. So the only way at this point, Miami in my eyes would be able to win realistically is to win all three of their home games. Right, but I think Denver's too good for them to let that happen. So whether they go six or seven. I think Denver still wins. I think they win tonight to take the lead back. Jokic 
they kind of forced him to be more of a scorer in a way. Like, hey, let's try and make sure that Jamal and Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and everyone just doesn't kill us. Leave it up to Joker a little bit more. Not let him make the passes and dictate the offense. But I, I think they're, they'll be able to respond a little bit better tonight. Especially with it being just a three-point game. If it was like a 12-15 point blowout by Miami, right. I feel like we'd be talking a little bit of a different story. But since it came down to one three-pointer, that was a even though it didn't look the prettiest, like the setup on the final play with Jamal Murray, it still had a really good chance of going in. Flipping back to the New Orleans Saints now. Earlier we heard from Dennis Allen and and Derek Carr. Uh, Michael Thomas also met with the media, and he said, quote, that it is a blessing to put the Saints uniform back on. Oh, it's a blessing. Um, anytime I get to put on the Saints uniform and contribute it and put, you know, put on the, the 13, the black and gold, just to come out here and uh, be around the guys, the camaraderie, that's what I miss the most. Um, you know, just talking ball. Um, a lot of guys from my school here, it's just, it's just like, it's like, for me, it's the older version of just going to school, I guess, really, like, first day of school, that's kind of what it felt like, just being around the guys, the camaraderie talking football with Derek, um, getting on the same page, uh, talking to the coaches, just game planning, just basically building that camaraderie to be able to build something special and chase something special and win a lot of games. You remember your first day back at school, get a fresh pair of shoes, get to show it off, fresh new fit for the for the school year? Yeah. It's kind of that feeling with Mike Thomas back. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um that that made me obviously we're getting sidetracked here, but very quickly, I I, I want to hear what you have to say. What is your best first day of school pair of shoes? Shoes. I remember getting the Kobe's. It was those like kind of snakeish tongues. You remember the black one, low tops, mm-hmm. and it was it was the four thirteens because that was Kobe's last game against Correct. the Jazz was April thirteenth before he retired with the 60B. So I remember getting those specific shoes. I forget exactly which ones it is, but it's like I think if you look up Kobe 4.13, the the black and gold shoes will pop up. And that's what I wore for my junior or sophomore year of high school. I'm going to date myself. I'm going to I'm going to show that I'm I'm a little old. You're 25. Get over it. Older than you. Going into the 8th grade. I had a red and black pair of Nike shocks. And I thought I was the coolest dude on planet Earth. Literally wore those shoes everywhere. You know what? Actually, I'm going to go into my closet and go like take a picture of them tonight this and post ma- them. Th- this man still has the coat. I still have. Oh, they do. They are worn out. Let me tell you. The bottoms, no <laughs> friction. Last- I'm slipping. Lastly, Michael Thomas talked about the playing with his new quarterback in Derek Carr. Oh, he's been amazing. Um, um, amazing. I can't wait to play with him and uh, just be out there and, and, and execute and create create something special with him, uh, a connection, you know. Just like the way he demands the huddle, um, the sense of urgency, um, just the way he handles himself. It's just he's a pro. Uh, he's great for these young guys to see. Uh, his demeanor. Uh, 
just everything, just watching him from when he gets in the building, kind of like how Drew was. You know, you could watch Drew from when he's watching film, you can learn from him. When he's in the locker room, you can learn from him. Anywhere in the building, you can just learn something different from them that makes them how they are. And I respect him a lot. And uh, I'm always watching them and just talking football with him. He loves football. 532. We'll take a timeout when we return. Brendan Ertle joins us for Hootat Wednesdays. We'll get his take on Michael Thomas returning into a black and gold uniform and mandatory minicamp coming up right here on the game. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Hootat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle, what's going on, my guy? What's up, guys? Doing good. So, question number one, not even Saints-related. Um, Chris Paul has been waived. Is he the? Is he going to be a New Orleans Pelican? You know what? It's 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 really interesting that the timing of this comes out. You know, we have some interesting stuff going on with the Pelicans, um, and then this comes out. And um, just a couple days ago, he was on. I think the Pivot was the podcast he was on uh, with Ryan Clark, and he said. He never actually wanted to leave New Orleans, and I feel like that that was always the, the hard thing with, with AD and Chris was that they wanted out. He said that they had people, you know, this was right before Hurricane Katrina, and they had people coming to practice and being like, yeah, this team's not going to be in New Orleans anymore. This is going to be a Kansas City team. This is going to be a San Diego team. And they're like, if you are unsure about where you want to be playing in a year, go somewhere else. So Chris was like, yeah, sure. I, I I don't think this is the best for me. And he said he was even like celebrating uh, in in Bourbon Street when when the Saints won the Super Bowl. So um, it'd be a good ending to just end it where it uh, started off, and you know, end things on a good terms. And it would allow CJ to play the two. And um, you know, you have the nastiest duo probably in NBA history with Jose Alvarado and uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, could you could you imagine? CJ McCollum getting able to play his actual position and a healthy Zion Williamson with Chris Paul. I mean, the Pels could make a run with that group. Yeah, I think just the leadership in general. I mean, the more the merrier. It's a young team, young coach. Um, you get a guy like that in there, it's like another coach. So um, they might lead the league in technical fouls, but they'd be a really good team. Now, getting to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Christmas came a little early when you saw Michael Thomas back in uniform catching some passes yesterday, right? Wow. Like, when um, that came out, you know, we're sitting there waiting for reports about OTAs, and the first thing that comes up, Nick Underhill, Mike is back. And I I didn't expect this. I don't think anyone expected him to be out there this early. Um, I think we all expected to see him at some capacity. Um, maybe in training camp. I didn't. I wasn't really even expecting him in mandatory mini camp. Um, I think the real player here is the Saints got him a quarterback, and there's a real opportunity here. I mean, Carr, um, say what you want about him, but he's had some big time success with these wide receiver ones, and this just this past year is proof what what he did with Devontae Adams was historic in a lot of ways. So I think the buy-in for him is is there as well, and we got to see him doing media as well, which you never get to see. So it was a really good sight just to see him out there, uh, get the chemistry going with Derek and the other quarterbacks. And it's just good to see him out there. It's really, really good. 
What do you think about a, a future with Alante Taylor potentially playing the nickel spot for New Orleans? I, I, I like it. I, I think, um, you know, I don't know what their vision is for him is, you know, like a slot or nickel or an outside, but I, I like that. I really like that they're doing this. And I saw some people overreact about, you know, maybe they want that Bradley, uh, uh, Paul Smith-Ebo outside and Alante Taylor inside or, Bradley Roby's not good enough inside. I think what they're trying to do with Alante is kind of what what they do with Marshawn and kind of what the Rams used to do with Jalen Ramsey is not necessarily follow a wide receiver because that's what Marshawn will be doing, but it gives them the flexibility to um, move in those different positions. Jalen Ramsey would follow people and he'd play a lot in the slot. Marshawn has to play in the slot sometimes. You know, when Mike Evans decides to try and run, run from him and go in the slot, you know, he follows. So I think having that flexibility for him – um, he's got the speed and technique to do it um, would be huge. Uh, it's just another corner that has depth at multiple positions. And um, I don't think there's any reason that Lante shouldn't be on the field starting uh, in any capacity this season. If you have a healthy Michael Thomas and you add in, you know, your two second year guys and Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, of course, Brian Edwards, A.T. Perry as well. Where would you rank the Saints receiving core in terms of the league? It, it's it's that's a really good question. Uh, you know, we saw Mike say in his interview, we kind of have a big three right now, and then would go on to say like, well, we have a ton of young guys too, and uh, guys that you said it, when healthy, I think this um, this trio. I, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's as good as the Bengals because the Bengals has proven. I think we need to see a full season of it. I think uh, when healthy, Thomas and Olave, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Shahid, but I, I think the the film's there. But seeing them all on the field together, that's when uh, we'll really be able to see, you know, how good this trio can be. But in terms of where it ranks, I, I think it would have to be top ten. I mean, you look kind of look around the league. You know, the Eagles have a good top three. Uh, the Bengals, like I mentioned, but you go on the team like um, you know the Chiefs. I would take the Saints core over the Chiefs core right now uh, in terms of wide receivers. I I, I just um, I don't know that there's teams that just like to have that one guy like the bills. Now they have digs and they kind of got some other dudes. So um, I think this is the deepest room we've had um, in my lifetime. Now, another guy on defense that I'm interested to see how he progresses is DeMarco Jackson, the fifth round pick out of app state, you know, missed a lot of last year with an injury. Now he, you know, has developed a little bit more into a guy that you could really see having success in this linebacker core with Demario Davis and and Pete Warner. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on Demarco Jackson's pr- progress so far? Really, really glad that you brought him up because I think there's a reason that the Saints haven't really addressed linebacker and haven't really, you know, even thought about bringing anyone in in terms of free agents. I think they really like what they have in him. Um, and the obvious candidate for um, the next kind of Craig Robertson, I think, would be him. I think he can make an impact instantly on special teams. I don't know if Andrew Dow would be the next man up, but um, if Pete Warner or DeMario goes down, who goes in for him? And I think right now it would probably be DeMarco Jackson just because um, he kind of has a, t- a lot of college experience and obviously got hurt last year. Um now, I won't go as far as to say it's, it's a dime in the rough, but I think they found something something in him. And um, he's going to be competing with 
um, you know, Andrew Dowell and probably Zach Bond for one of those spots at, at linebacker, but I think he's got the inside track on one of them. I think um, they've got a ton of unloaded potential with him and he's a really good blitzer as well, which DeMario does very well, um, which is good. So I think um, it's going to be one of the guys that you kind of hone in on and see how they do in uh, training game preseason, but I think he could be, you know, a lot more than what a fifth round pick. And I thought, I think he has a ton more value than uh, that label. Chatting with Brendan Ertle here on Hoodat Wednesday. Brendan, it, it's time that the Traquan Smith goes play elsewhere, right? <laughs> yes. Like, look, I, I'm sure the guy could have a great career in the NFL, but it just hasn't worked in New Orleans. And I'm not keeping a receiver on the roster because he's a good blocker. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's other players on this roster um, that you'd maybe want to see more from. If it's if you don't know, you know, if you're trying to fill in that last wide receiver spot and it's between Traquan and A.T. Perry or someone else or James Washington, I think you take A.T. Perry or James Washington just because there's potential there. I feel like there's not much potential with Traquan. Good blocker. Um, he makes a good catch here and there. He'll miss some time, and he'll do it again. And it's been what, four, four or five years since we drafted him in the third round. Uh, I think it's fair to say it was a little bit of a miss. Um, he's had some good moments for us. He had one of the best moments in Saints history with you know, Drew Brees against the Redskins um, in that game. And I, I, I think we've seen the last of him, honestly. I, I think the wide receiver room is too deep, and there's too many good players that do uh, what he does good enough Um and I'd be more opposed to keeping him if we were unsure about Michael Thomas, but uh, Derek Carr kind of talked about it. There, there's some players in this roster and in that wide receiver room that really give 100% effort um, on catching and, and blocks downfield, and Mike's one of those guys. And I, I just don't see the need to keep a, a blocking wide receiver on the roster when you got a plethora of good tight ends. So I, I think it's the beginning of the end for Traycon, but um, – you know, he has to have his best training camp yet, and uh, maybe he will. I don't know. Brendan, what are you excited to see out of mandatory minicamp next week? I, I Wow. We're finally putting the pads on. Um, we, we haven't seen a lot of team, team stuff. I think um, once things get going, um, kind of going back to the Drew Brees days, I think Drew, you know, he used to say he, he really could tell – when you had a good team, once the pads came on and once you started competing against yourself. So I think we'll figure out pretty quickly here how good this team can actually be. I think that starts with mandatory minicamp. Uh, I think the attendance has been pretty good. So, you know, the real difference there is that who's going to come. I feel like um, everyone but Taysom Hill should be there. I don't think Taysom really needs to be there. I think, um, you know, he's got his foot issues and, and whatnot. But uh, I'd love to see everyone there and get this thing going and seeing, you know, the progress of Michael Thomas and really can see, you know, what this running back room is going to look like because we haven't really seen it yet. We've seen a lot of Jamal Williams. We've seen a lot of the younger guys, but um, Ken- Kendrick Miller has been sidelined and Kamara's obviously hasn't been there as well. So hopefully, you know, Kendrick can start to work his way back. And I think he will be ready to go for training camp and we kind of start to see what we have in the offensive line and, um, you know, Nick Saldivar and guys like that. Um, when the pads come on, that's when you really can tell 
what you have in these offensive and defensive linemen. And um, I think we can probably answer the question here pretty soon. Do we need to add another defensive lineman? Um, and, you know, this early in the, in the off season is just more technique and um, football one-on-one. So once those pads really come on, that's when we start to get some, some answers. Brendan Ertle joining us here on Crunch Time for Hoot at Wednesday. Brendan, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Uh, mandatory mini camps next week. We'll do it all again next week. Yes, sir. See you guys then. And there he goes. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. 548. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll wrap up today's show. Give you our final score prediction for the NBA Finals Game 3. Plus, we'll preview the Houston Astros and the Blue Jays next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana, know you love our off-the-air shenanigans, so go subscribe to our YouTube channel. At The Game Louisiana, click the bell so you can get notified when we post our brand new content and post-game video recaps. Once again, head to YouTube at The Game Louisiana and hit subscribe to see all of our behind-the-scenes fun. Once again, at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Real quick, who wins in a pickup game? James Mesh or Haley Van Lith? Because Mr. Mesh over here, who's rocking a Joe Dirt mullet today, swears to me. That Haley Van Lith would stand, quote, no shot, no prayer against him. <laughs> Care to comment, Mr. Mesh? Uh, I don't think. <laughs> In a game to 21, she would beat you 21 to 2. And I give you the two strictly because she would feel sorry for you, blow a layup on purpose, let you rebound it, and you'd make one three. And in a game to 21, a three-pointer would be worth two points. She would cross you up, put you on your butt, and drive to the basket for a layup every single time. And there's no knock to you. You're a decent basketball player. It's no knock to you. It's Haley Van Lith we're talking about here, dude. Somebody made a mashup of all the sick moves she made just at the FIBA 3v3. And I was going to say, I was watching someone, I forget who it was. It was like some basketball content creator. I saw him, one of the guys, try to guard her and... He was struggling. And he I think he he was like 6364. Like she's just on a different level. And that that LSU basketball team in, in 2023 is going to be oh, nightmare for their opposition. Real quick, NBA Finals game 3. Who wins and what's the score? Well, I've already picked the Nuggets, but I'll say Nuggets 109 Heat 100. I'm going Miami 107, 
Denver 99. Mm. 107.99. Uh, Astros Blue Jays getting ready to get underway. Ronel Blanco going for the Astros. Want to know on the year with a 4.15 ERA in 17 and one thirds innings. Chris Bassett, the newly father of two, will be on the mound for Toronto, six and four with a 3.14 ERA. He's pitched 74 innings. He's given up 11 home runs this year. Could be. A nice night for the Astros offense if they can figure it out after last night. Thanks to our guests today, Jay Walker and Brendan Ertle for joining us. Come back tomorrow for an LSU Super Regional preview with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. And we're back tomorrow, 4-6, to six, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Raging Cajuns night at Fobbacher Field for the Cane Cutters. You wear Cajuns gear, get in for just 5 bucks. First pitch at 7 o'clock. Let's go to Toronto now. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call.